know, what are numbers at the end of the day? You know, numbers are just symbols. They're just symbols. Mm. Like A, B and C are symbols. We just use them to communicate. But what, what do those symbols actually do? They tell a story. They tell the story of the organisation. You can tell the story of the organisation in words and you can tell it in numbers. Do you wonder how trailblazing leaders sense at scale, involve to innovate, and align the actions in this increasingly digital world? Welcome to the Exploring Leaders podcast. The experienced team at Degosian interviews leaders from around the world for insights and inspiration on how to lead in the digital age. In this episode, Degosian founder Lizalette Engstam who is also an independent board chair and director, researcher, author, and advisor, asks the questions. Our guest today is Helen Weisman. Helen is an independent board chair and director, as well as leadership coach. She works on boards in UK, Australia, and South Africa, as well as with leaders and board members all over the world. Helen is guiding her companies from both board member and chair position and she's helping leaders and board members to become more effective in their roles, including using more coaching techniques to achieve it. This episode focuses on her journey and approaches she finds effective as coach and board member. Warm welcome, Helen Weisman. I'm delighted to have you here and I'll ask you a couple of questions. So you are a board chair? You're a non-executive director, but you're yes. also a coach and mentor yes. and work on a number of committees. Warm welcome, Helen. Thank you very much indeed. Nice to be here. I wanted to first to start with our listeners to get a bit more to how did you get away? What's your background? <laughs> what took you there? There's a great Steve Jobs quote, which I realised is actually great life advice, which is, you know, you can't join the dots looking forward. You, you can only sort of join the dots looking backwards. So, you know, way led on to way. So I left my corporate role back in 2009 with an ambition to, to sit on boards as well as build up a coaching get my coaching qualifications and build up a coaching practice. And then I got a whole round of feedback that basically was a far more polite version of Helen you're kidding yourself you're too young to kind of sit on board and at that stage I was already sitting on you know a couple of not-for-profit boards and in fact my my very first board that I ever served on and the very first meeting so this is my very first board meeting I was actually made the chair before this call we were talking about this sort of accidental chair appointment and I mean I hadn't actually fully you know because I kind of thought in my mind you know I, I can chair a meeting I can facilitate a meeting you know I'm, I'm, I'm good at that and then I had to get taken aside after about six months and kind of have the role sort of explained I mean I was doing okay I had to have the role explained to me as to what the chair role really kind of was but either which way I was told I needed to go and get some broader experience so I ended up you know co-founding a startup business in the insurance and financial services space and just collected a whole sort of variety of different experiences I served on you know, more what I'd say not-for-profit boards, but I chose boards that, you know, obviously were very motivating, but actually had sort of some commercial element to them and sort of built up my experience that way. And then, you know, I get a phone call one day to chair an audit committee. It was a paid kind of role. It wasn't actually a board role. It was a bit unusual. And that was, you know, that was the thing that I suppose really started the board career 
side of things off. And again, you know, one opportunity then led on to another opportunity, then led up to another opportunity, obviously by doing good work. And then the coaching side of it, you know, I got my coaching qualification. And again, you know, that that built over time. I worked with a couple of leadership firms. I think I learned more about about leadership and my style than perhaps I may have even taught my clients. <laughs> But, you know, I sort of managed to sort of build that into, I guess, my whole repertoire. I think it's fantastic. And it's it's for sure bring value to each other. If you were to look at your kind of two broad roles, what are some common myths, do you think, about your roles that isn't true? That people think about these roles? Oh, that's some good ones. So, <laughs> so I mean, one area that I specialise in is that, you know, I chair audit committees. I'm an accountant. And it's very easy to, I suppose, pigeonhole that role. Mm. It's very easy to, uh, you know, anything to do with kind of, you know, numbers, you know, bang, it just goes straight across to the audit committee. And I think people don't necessarily realise, unless, of course, you sit on the audit committee, like what a privileged position you're in, in terms of your ability to, to engage with the organisation, the level of deeper knowledge mm. that you get of the organisation appropriately, you know, no, no, what is it, nose in, hands out. And, you know, I would strongly encourage people to, to look and take on that role. Often risk is associated with it as well. Mm. And, it, you know, it's more about the quality of the questions that you ask. So in a way, you know, if you don't understand the numbers, as somebody on the committee does, well, that's brilliant because you're going to go, well, well, you know, what, what's if you've got the courage, you know, well, well, what's that? And it's amazing how often those questions hit the target. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that I would say, which I think people often miss, is, you know, what are numbers at the end of the day? I and mean, I'm putting this in financial terms. You know, numbers are just symbols. Yeah, they're just symbols. Like A, B and C are symbols. We just use them to communicate. But what, what do those symbols actually do? They tell a story. They tell the story of the organisation. You can tell the story of the organisation in words and you can tell it in numbers. They're just symbols at the end of the day. And I find that when you when you reframe it that way, it suddenly kind of opens it right up. And I've used that as then as an opportunity to engage others in the audit committee process by actually, you know, telling the story at the same time, you know, making sure the accounting standards are you know, being followed and engaging with the auditors and all the rest of it. So, so I think that's a great myth there. And the other sort of part of, you know, the audit committee work is somehow, well, that's not strategy or, you know, that's kind of not commercial. But of course, again, you know, numbers, numbers tell a very kind of powerful story. You know, we talk about sustainability, ESG, well, mm. C, cash. <laughs> so that would be a a myth and then the other sort of myth is you know if you you know in a way if you kind of look at my sort of you know LinkedIn profile encourage you to do so please please send me your invites you know it kind of looks like you know I I I do sort of board work over over here I now sort of chair boards as well and then I you know I do coaching over here wrong it's actually very similar underlying processes you know the the quality of the questions that you ask, the way in which you ask them, the way in which you facilitate getting the best out of people and the types of responses, which is even more sort of critical at the chair 
level so those skills are absolutely sort of intrinsic Mm -hmm. to my mind to being a really good effective board member on top of you know your traditional kind of skills you know strategy how do you kind of think about and challenge strategy sure you can you know bring out your you bring out your porter's five forces and your SWOT analysis but you know the power of a really good broad coaching question you know, if we say yes to this, then you know, what is it that we're kind of saying no to? Tell me more about that. Mm. The best question of all, anything else, and yeah. ask it two or three times and then, you know, pause. So, you know, there's some examples of the way that I kind of think about those those roles that I have. Mm. I think it's lovely, and I surely love the question anything else. Yes. It brings out also what's top of mind from others, which Two is words. fantastic. Simple. Two words. Yeah. Simple. You think Simple. as a board director, you have to be, and of course you do, you know, like yeah. obviously your experience, your insights, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm. And, and you know, you can show up as being kind of really clever. Like, you know, I can be really clever when it comes to how I talk about the annual report. Mm. But geez, the power of just a really simple two-word question. So I wanted to start first by asking a couple of questions around coaching and then come back to board work. So if you just help us a bit, how do you see that the field of coaching and psychology, which is this, has kind of changed over the recent years? Mm, Good question. I think there's, there's a lot more research Mm. being done in this space I mean coaching was initially sort of seen as being a bit of a a bit of an airy fairy profession and also you know in the early days was often associated with remedial coaching like if somebody suggested a coach I think that has completely sort of turned on its head as people have realized and through the research that's been done you know is the power of of those skills such that now you know the conversation has completely changed to how do we create a coaching culture people might use slightly different language how do we create a coaching culture in this organization mm-hmm. and in fact the center for creative leadership has come up with and it's it's purely around culture mm-hmm. but they've come up with this amazing model called better conversations really strongly encourage people to have a look at it And what they're doing is through the art of better conversations, asking questions, you know, listening, etc. They've got a nice little model, really simple model. What they're really talking about is creating a coaching culture. But I mean, they're using kind of very human terms around it. There's a huge, there's a huge realisation around around organisational culture. And obviously the board has a very critical role to play in that. And, you know, coaching is now very much you know center stage to the point that I think on LinkedIn you know somebody it was a TED talk actually yeah everybody needs a coach like provocative yeah yeah Yeah. and and I'm sure it's actually very right and we probably needed it yesterday most of us (laughs) not just I walked my talk I've got one yeah you can check out more hints and tips in the blog post covering this podcast episode of exploring leaders at the Degotian blog, which you can find at Degotian.com. So going further in that, how do you think that leaders and not the least board members can explore coaching in a better way than what they do today? 
Again, I think there's two parts to that. So one is, you know, me as an individual board member and the contribution that I make, am I doing that as effectively as I, as I could? You know, am I using the right kind of thinking skills, decision-making skills, communication and influencing style is, is huge around the boardroom table. So having an individual coach to help and support you in that and even just to be a sounding board because there's plenty of dilemmas that kind of operate at the boardroom table and you know you can be sat especially if you're like a new director but even if you're an old established one you sat there you know what what do I do with this you know sometimes just being you know having the sounding board you know great coach only asked us two or three questions and then you start talking and you actually resolve it for yourself so I think like that's one area Mm. but I think the other emerging areas where they talk you know boardroom dynamics I suppose culture at the boardroom table I mean it's very new but thinking about how a how a coach or a facilitator can work with the board as a whole you know to observe those dynamics to to help kind of navigate if you like what might be some of those roadblocks or to kind of enable a better understanding of different people's viewpoints and and mm-hmm. where they're coming from very interesting area and, yeah and, and still very unusual probably but it's it's an opportunity to make sure that in those few meetings that you actually have you'll be super effective and yeah, I mean, it's, you know, having a growth because yeah you think mm-hmm. you know having a growth mindset as a board and also I think it was about two to three years ago now but you know the Australian corporate regulator actually did some research where they put in this case a psychologist in the boardroom mm-hmm. to actually watch boardroom dynamics and the research was around I suppose the linkage between board culture Mm. and you know outcomes for that organization and I mean that you know got a lot of a lot of media attention to put a psychologist in the boardroom but you know even the regulators are now focusing on Mm. the boardroom culture as being either an enabler of or I mean as a key kind of governance Mm. facet in addition to you know audit Mm. committee nominations committee you know risk management etc etc super interesting you just mentioned something i wanted to ask you about and that was the growth mindset so Mm. can you tell us a bit what you mean with that and what does it mean in the context of a board so so carol dweck is you know often cited as being the the thought leader around growth mindset and you know there's a little bit of debate about you know has that been taken out of out of context in terms of her original research, but but never mind that. I mean, one board I sat on was doing a culture piece with with the leadership and then cascading that down into management, which was around growth mindset. So they were taking the growth mindset model. And then so, you know, we decided that, you know, we should also do it as a board. And so she took us through the same sort of presentation. It was the most powerful discussion. I mean, talk about, you know, really different topic from... the the typical stuff that sits on the agenda and of course one of the powerful things about what I find about the growth mindset you know model whether it's steep strictly in the research or not it's not so much the growth mindset it's the fixed mindset Mm. and it and we can all suddenly kind of flip into the fixed mindset it's Mm. a very human thing to do but having that awareness as individuals when we flip what are those triggers when we flip into the fixed mindset I mean that generated 
a lot of discussion. And then it meant that in subsequent board meetings, we'd bring it kind of back up when we review the board meeting at the end, you know, really well-governed organisation. Oh, like so was the chair, but it wasn't. But, you know, it's also, you know, we challenge each other. It's like, oh, hang on a minute, you know, in terms of what you've just said there, you know, just, you know, what, how do you think, you know, you might you be approaching that with a fixed mindset? And it gave us all permission to, you know, to have, if you like, the, this particular terminology, but, you know, that, that little bit more kind of courage in the boardroom to challenge each other. But what it did for trust building as well was fabulous. Very interesting. And, and in that sense, the growth mindset is also a bit, about being open and open to future thoughts in a way um, yeah, and actually, you know, the board members to be vulnerable because that's the thing I mean I think many board members actually quietly <laughs> feel like the silent screen yeah can feel a bit vulnerable in the board because it's complex I mean yeah. we're dealing with some of the challenges that we're dealing with today I mean it is just complex but that's kind of you know that, that sense that maybe I'm, I'm the only one who's feeling this way or mm. You know, it just over, it just opened that up right up and you know made us realize that in fact we, you know, we're all in this together so i'll give you a question which can be three different answers or one answer depending on how you look at it but my question is really what makes you thrive as a coach what makes you thrive as a board member and what makes you thrive as a coaching board member Oh, I think it's one answer. So, you know, I've defined for myself, you know, my life's purpose. And that is to be a catalyst that unlocks the potential of people and organisations in unexpected ways, you know, in order to have, you know, a positive impact on, on the people and stakeholders around them. So, you know, the coaching work that I do is very much with that objective in mind and the board work that I do is very much with that objective in mind. How does, so I guess, you know, even how I approach the audit committee work, you know, obviously strong technical role, strong role on the board is still informed by that purpose. You know, I'm here to unlock the potential of this organisation right. and, you know, the, 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 the tool that I'm using, the spanner that I'm using, okay, is, you know, the way that we sort of financially report numbers tell a story. They tell a story to our people. I mean, and on it goes. Does that answer your question? Yeah, and, and, and also that you pull it together is actually what you're saying. For you, it's, it's kind of the same. You use your... Yeah, how do I, how, do, I mean, you know, board is a collective pursuit, but, you know, how do I take responsibility for getting the best out of every individual board member? Now, as the chair, you know, that sounds a bit kind of leadershipy, mm. but even as an individual sort of director, you know, you can you give positive energy or you can take energy away. You, again, you know, you can ask the question in a way that really sort of taps into that individual director's knowledge. How do I kind of look out for where somebody might be feeling a little bit sort of uncertain? And mm. you know, how can I make sure that, you know, I don't cause loss of face, even amongst, you know, the executive teams and the finance teams that I do with, because we do operate in a really complex world. So again, you know, there's a very, uh, you know, coming at it with positive intent, you know, it's a very clever way of being able to surface the issues without being afraid to constructively challenge, but, you know, there's a very artful way of, of being able to get the best out of people. <laughs> To get even more value out of the podcast series Exploring Leaders, 
you can find everything from research reports to advice and courses at the Degotian website, which you can find at Degotian.com. So we've been through three quite unusual years, looking backward. What are your most important lessons that you learned during the, the last three years? Oh, never take the good times for granted. Never take your people for granted. I mean, the you know, just the the, the extraordinary pressures mm. on everyone. You know, on the executives trying to kind of run the organisations in these mm. conditions. I guess on the board, on the oversight. But you know, everyone's got personal, family, and personal things. You never, you know, you never know what's going on in someone's life. Mm. So that's the kind of real key learning. I think you know, resiliency. A lot of people are talking about resiliency and sustainability. You know, I mentioned the full letter word. You know, cash. <laughs> Yeah. You know, just see one of the you know one of the debates that we had on one of my boards over a few years was, you know, was the the, the so called lazy balance sheet, you know, because there was you know quite quite a lot of cash in the business, and of course that lazy balance sheet you know turned out to be an absolute sort of lifesaver. It's completely sort of reframed the way that I sort of look at look at and think about a balance sheet, yeah. and it's also made me look at and think about. The type of assets that we own or should be owning and how we create value sort of out of out of those and you know the because it is such a complex world and so changing you know it comes back to to strategy and one of the things I love about strategy is a great book you know good strategy bad strategy you know it's what you say no to and in a world that's kind of highly sort of distracted and a lot of you know doomsayers and commentators and then the whole kind of ESG avalanche I think you need to be crystal clear on your strategy mm. and what you're saying no to yeah, yeah. and, and has reinforced been- all that for me yeah yeah, and have the good, really good debates around that. So I wanted to move on to who do you look to for insight and inspiration? Is there a company you think we should keep our eyes on or is there a leader you think we should keep our eyes on? Well, I'll plug one company. I say self-interest. It's not that. It's just I used to sit on the board. And I mean, I stepped down about two years ago. But the best, one of the best examples of governance I've ever kind of come across. And it's, it's an organisation called Choice otherwise known as the Australian Consumer Association. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, yeah, they had to do an entire sort of digital transformation. You know, no, no one was sure kind of, you know, what the pandemic was going to bring. But seeing how they've grown as an organisation, how they practice governance, and it's a member-based association. It's got something like, you know, I'm not sure what today's membership is, but around about 200,000 members. Now, how they engage with their members And even, you know, the chair actually sends a communique after every board meeting. I say the chair, in fact, they've got a joint, or they had a joint chair model. Yeah, they send a communicator to the members after every board meeting. So I think that's one of the best examples of governance that I've seen to watch. In terms of, you know, people that I admire, you know, I, I admire, you know, many. I mean, I really admire the chair of, you know, the big corporation board who I sit on, who's, you know, just brings so much wisdom so much experience and really engages with every individual board member. I think it's more the characteristics. It's hard to kind yeah. of point to this person, this person, this right. person. Right. 
So Look for good examples. And in fact, Lisa, Lott, I'm going to have to say, you, you know, this is not where you were coming from at all, but you're very much an inspiration for me. Just <laughs> how you crafted your own sort of role, you know, the energy and passion that you that you bring to it. You know, you are such a champion and such an advocate for the director community, you know, in such a giver. And yet at the same time, you know, you don't suffer fools gladly. <laughs> I'm sure you run a tight ship on your boards. And so, you know, it's that sort of that, you know, that generosity with a you know, very clear sort of strategic yeah. mindset. So there you go. It's, thank you so much. I'm super humble. I think one of the things that I have put out that I also need to work on is actually to create hope. Mm. I think mm -hmm. we're absolutely right now you said it before all of these doomsayers yes and i do agree we have a lot of crisis but we need to show there are actually not even one there's many ways forward and we need to be finding those ways and exposing those ways and being champions of those ways and you are actually doing that also both with the specific board engagements you're doing but also bringing the entire coaching and mentoring and we haven't mentioned that you actually lead the entire mentor program at for the board directors which is, and you've done it for several years so if i take that as an example what are your key learnings from that from the yeah the director mentoring um, program that just how much you know that sounding board is needed yeah there are some very sort of common challenges especially for sort of newer directors you know how do I translate my executive experience and you know, how do I be kind of more effective at the board when I'm used to kind of being the you know the front charging CEO is quite a common one just the amount of wisdom that resides within both the mentor community but interestingly the mentee community so we actually bring the mentees together in a in a, in a monthly we're just about to start it up with, with this year's cohort we actually bring the you know the the mentees together as a peer group but even there you know the level of wisdom and experience that you know, that comes forward and the, the generosity of spirit in wanting to genuinely help has has really kind of reinforced for me that not only do we need the one-on-one -on -one conversations but actually we need you know confidential safe space for, for Chatham House rules for peer conversations too because you know this is a really interesting world at the moment and nobody you know all of these challenges are general you know once in a generation challenges that you know few of us have ever had to navigate and what some can you know points to the last round of inflation the reality is you know most directors haven't really experienced that so that those are the two things that i see as being very very powerful and just on you know about the optimism i think there's it's difficult but I think there's cause, well, not in every case, I mean, you know, behind every challenge is opportunity. But I think, you know, if you think about getting the best out of people and the, and the amount of talent that resides in any one kind of organisation, you know, how can we harness that collective knowledge mm. so much, so much more? You know, I, when I see brilliance in people and I see it everywhere, you know, even when they make mistakes, you know, I can put that well and truly in context because I see their magnificence. Wow, yeah, there's huge cause for optimism. Yeah, yeah. And, and and it's 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 wonderful. So uh, I also wanted to give people a chance to connect with you, if it's okay. So how would they follow you? Where do they find you? The best way to find me is on LinkedIn. Yeah, Helen Wiseman, Global Citizen. Very flattering photo. Although Zoom's not doing too bad a job today. <laughs> 
that hopefully you can easily find me as a non-executive director yeah otherwise actually i mean i'm more than happy to share my email address it's helen at helenwiseman.com.au you can reach me that way too very kind and i always end with a bit of a more strange question but i think it's fun and that is if you were a furniture what would you be (laughs) oh my goodness me if i were a furniture what would i be i don't know i mean i guess you know go with your gut instincts as to what springs to mind is a table Okay, and table, why why the table? Well, table has obviously multiple uses. So, you know, it's a place where, you know, a table, you know, I mean, I'm looking at my table, which is my desk, you know, people do do their work. They've got their computers, they've got their laptops. So, you know, you need a table in order to be able to to bring forth that brilliance. But, you know, table's also social. I mean, I'm looking, you know, one sort of behind you in that nice kind of living room environment. You know, table's also social. It's where people break bread. It's where people drink, you know, soft drinks or, or, or wine in my case. You know, it's that kind of social environment. You can't live without a table. <laughs> you could, but, you know, it would be the same. That's wonderful. You can't and a boardroom live, table. Yeah. You, know, you can't live without a table. You can't live without an Helen Weissman to be inspired by. Thank you so much, Helen. It's been a wonderful discussion. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lisa Lott. Thanks for listening to Exploring Leaders, a podcast produced by Degotion with the ambition to inspire insightful leadership in the digital age. If you found this episode interesting, join the momentum to amplify the voices of trailblazing leaders by sharing it with others for inspiration. For any questions or recommendations on other inspiring leaders you like to listen to, contact us via our website, degotion.com, or via social media as LinkedIn or Twitter.